hard to believe that it was 40 days ago that we celebrated Christmas. A month and 10 days or so. And the reason for 40 days is important in this liturgical calendar for the Jews centuries ago because after 40 days, the child is presented in the temple. All children were presented in the temple 40 days after their birth. Women had to be ritually pure, and so their natural cycle would then conclude after 30 days, but they wanted 10 days of security knowing that she was ritually pure without blood in order now to present in the temple the child. That's the reason for 40 days. So today is the 40th day. It concludes all the birthrights of Jesus that we've been watching these last weeks. So we began with Christmas and God humbled himself and took on flesh. And then there was a feast of the Holy Family. We celebrated in the Christmas season, those 12 days of Christmas with the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, and the child submits to them. God submits through Jesus to the parents, the natural authority. And then comes the feast of the circumcision or January the 1st, Mary, mother of God. God has a mother. He submits himself to her and he is circumcised on the eighth day in accord with the law. He submits himself to the law of the Mosaic Code. And then Epiphany. In the crib, he shares in the kingship, in a sense, of the world, the power of the world, not as the world understands it, but the power of authority. But he does that through the image of sharing this good news, humbling himself before the Gentiles. And then his baptism recently in the Jordan River at the age of 30. Fast forward a bit, but he humbles himself and says to John the Baptist, allow it, you may baptize me. I don't need to, but I will do it out of humility. And he humbles himself before John in the Jordan. And now the temple. He is presented in the temple as the child. What's the point in all of this? It's that God made flesh in Jesus, submits himself to the natural order of things. He submits himself to a woman and is conceived of her. He submits himself to a foster father, Joseph, who educates him. He submits himself to John the Baptist to be baptized. He submits himself under the law to be circumcised. He submits himself constantly. It's very important that this God made flesh is not abolishing all the law or the rituals of the temple, but is entering into them and sees the meaning and the purpose behind the temple, behind the natural order of religion, of worship, of cultic sacrifice, of the holy. Very important. Because a lot of people say in our culture, I don't need all that ritual. I don't need all that ceremony. I don't need a building to worship God. Okay. That's their opinion. I'm not going to dispute it. But let me tell you this. God didn't do it that way. He enters into the temple. He enters into the ritual of his day. If I were God, I would have said, nah, I don't need all that. 
I'm God, I can do anything. No, 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 no. He created the natural order of ritual and religion because he knows, for our sake, we need that skeletal structure. We need that compass of a place that's made holy, consecrated for the purpose of holy things. Most of us don't do holy things out there. Most of us don't. But the design of this temple, St. Anne's, consecrated as a place for the Lord, is designed for holy things. That's why we come in ritual. And so did Jesus. And so did his parents. Look at the gospel. It's very clear in Luke's gospel what he's trying to say. When the days were completed for their purification, that's the purification of Mary, without blood, after her cycle, and now she's 10 days beyond that, made pure. According to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to the temple to present him in accord with the dictate of the law of the Lord. So they're following the law. They're following the ritual. They're following the custom. And Jesus is submitting himself to that. He's submitting himself to that. And so do we. And so he's presented in the temple, and the eyes of Simeon and Anna and others are upon him. And they recognize by power of the Spirit that this is the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. They're the first to see it, besides Mary and Joseph. These two see it, along with the three kings, along with others, but they're in the temple. They're in the temple, and they see the glory of God. No longer in the ark of the temple, the ark of the covenant, which was reserved in the temple, but now in the baby boy. This is fascinating. They've moved now from the ark of the covenant to the boy, the temple of the body and blood of God. God has a body and blood, Uh uh-huh. His name is Jesus. That's amazing. In the temple, the holiest of places for the Jews in Jerusalem. So on this feast, what we're really trying to understand is how does Jesus present himself again to us? Well, it's clear. He presents himself in a very distinctive way in this temple, here and now, St. Anne's Catholic Church, under forms of bread and wine that become his living temple, body and blood. So in this temple, in this consecrated place, in this holy place, in this sanctuary, sanctus, holy in Latin, God represents himself to us, body to body, blood to blood. This is the child Jesus being represented. Now I focus on represent because there's a mindset among many Christians that what we do in ritual is only representation. We only represent what's going on. So let's focus on represent versus represent. So for many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, what they're doing in their ritual is a representation. With all respect, when they pass the bread and wine 
sometimes in the communion service, what they're doing is representing the Last Supper, representing Jesus in that moment. But for Catholics, distinctively because of our priesthood, see, what's being done is a re-presentation. He's presented again and again and again every time we're at Mass. What's being represented? The body and blood of the child. The body and blood of the God-man. The body and blood of the man who is God on the cross. The body and blood of the resurrected Jesus. The body and blood of the church by power of the Holy Spirit. All of this life, death, and resurrection is represented. And where is it? Distinctively represented in the temple. In the temple. You'll find hints of this by analogy in the secular world, but it's distinctively present here. That's why we come to church. So to the critic who says, I don't need the church, well, then they don't need the body and blood of Jesus. I don't need ritual, well, then they don't need the temple, which is where the body and blood is sacrificed. See, it's, it's a cultural problem for a lot of people. And so I ask them, well, what do you do to, to do the holy things? And so often I'll get, well, you know, I take the day off. I grab some Starbucks and a copy of the Outlook section from the Washington Post. I head off to DuPont Circle with Fifi, my dog, and we have a lovely day together. And I say, and that's religion? I said, I call that exercise or leisure. I call that recreation. That's marvelous. But that's not the temple. DuPont Circle is not the temple. The outlook section is not the word of God. And Fifi is lovely. The problem is, friends, we're up against a whole culture that just doesn't understand the temple. But Jesus did. And if God in Jesus understands the significance of a temple, the temple, well, then we have to take that seriously. If God understands the dignity and purpose of becoming man in the flesh, then we have to take humanity very seriously and take our human nature very seriously and take the natural order very seriously. It's why the Catholic Church takes science seriously in universities. I have a estranged brother who says, I don't understand why you're teaching philosophy and metaphysics. You're, you're a priest. You should be doing holy things. I said, I know. I really should be. But I teach because it's all part of the natural order of science, of knowledge, of wisdom. And we're told here that the boy grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom, which means he had to develop in his human nature into the wisdom. That's fascinating. God in Jesus takes this whole ritual, the natural order, science, everything that is before our eyes and ears of the physical world, seriously. That gives it meaning. That gives it power. That gives ritual and this building a purpose, a distinctive purpose. And it's good to remind ourselves of that from time to time, that we're coming into a holy place, a consecrated place, not just another restaurant, not just another coffee bar, not just another beautiful monument, but a temple dedicated to the Lord. And the Lord dedicated himself 
in the temple. In fact, he was presented by his parents, submitting to them that they would present him for blessing. That's why we come here to present ourselves to the Lord again. He presents himself to us. He represents himself to us, and we represent ourselves to him. All of us, each one of us, individually and as a church together, represent Sunday after Sunday. It's very important. If you are in love with someone, you don't just tell them one time, I love you. You represent those words over and over. If you truly love someone, I love you, not just once, you say it again and again and represent. Not the love of the past, which is a representation, but a real power even now. I love you now. In this moment. And I'm representing that love for you. Well, isn't that what we do spiritually? We represent ourselves in this temple out of love for him who represents himself in this temple by his body and blood out of love for all mankind. It's a beautiful experience when you're in love with someone and he's in love with you. And that's the personal encounter that we have here, body to body, blood to blood, in the temple where Jesus is represented to us every time we come to Holy Mass.